Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hello again, plant friends. Welcome to Plow and Hose. Thank you for joining me in my backyard. It's really pleasant out here tonight. Um, it is the 3rd of July and the show is going to air on the 4th of July. So happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day. You know, here in Taylor, the weather just does not seem like it's going to want to rain or not rain this weekend. And I really have not been doing a good job with keeping up with the forecast this week, but it really doesn't matter because... I look at my garden and I decided I just could not wait on if it was going to rain or not and I really needed to give them a good long soak. So I spent the afternoon watering the ones that look like they needed it the most. If it rains, I really don't know how much we will actually get. You know, it could be just enough to perk up my garden or it could just be a light drizzle and really not enough but now that I started watering it's gonna rain I just know it is isn't that the way that it always works it it was the same thing last weekend I was like should I wash my car now or I think it's supposed to rain maybe I should just wait and I waited and I waited and then I finally gave in and I am not exaggerating at all I was sitting in the car wash getting that final rinse and then the sky got dark and I watched this big cloud start creeping over the sky and I I was like, oh, it's totally figures. I mean, I do really like all that rain, free rain water, but I was still a little annoyed because if I had just waited five more minutes, I would have gotten a free car wash too but anyway it's all okay because I know that my plants and my garden really enjoyed that um, rain that we got I do kind of wish though that my car responded to watering like my garden does like uh thanks lady I appreciate that drink now I'm gonna look alive and Oh, here, here's a cucumber for you. Yeah, my car doesn't give me gifts, but anyway, speaking of cucumbers, I am getting a steady harvest of them now, Uh, you know, at least one a day. I planted three varieties this year, two that were new, and then one that I've planted before. I planted a Japanese variety called uh, Jibai, and another one called um, Bite Alpha. The Japanese Jibai cucumbers are long and skinny and they are like uh, an English hothouse uh, cucumber. Um, The bite cucumbers, and that's spelled B-E-I-T, 
they are short and small and they're um, from the Mediterranean. They, they're very similar to the thin-skinned um, Persian cucumbers. And then I also grew Armenian cucumbers and they have pale green fruits that can grow up to like two feet long. Armenian cucumbers are actually melons, but they look, grow, and taste like cucumbers. And I grew them last year for the first time, and they were wonderful plants. And we had so many cucumbers, and they took the heat. They were really great. They were so prolific last year that we actually got sick of cucumbers. And by the end of the summer, everyone in my house was sick of cucumbers. Nobody wanted any more cucumbers ever again. So I ended up juicing quite a few because we couldn't stand to eat them anymore. So we drank them. Yeah, and like I said, last year was the first year that I grew Armenian cucumbers. So I didn't really know what to expect. I just planted them and another variety. And I really didn't think about them again. You know, they sprouted and they grew and they grew and they grew. And then finally, about this time last year, we had little cucumbers on the vine. These plants had tons and tons of blossoms, but I really wasn't getting a lot of fruit. So I was super happy when they started to put on cucumbers. And every day I'd go check on them and they would grow a little bit more but they were awfully pale and so they you know they weren't like that dark green cucumber color so i just let them keep growing thinking that the skin would look more green and they would get ripe and i kept checking on them and they weren't turning that dark green they just kept getting bigger and i actually thought at the time that maybe i had unintentionally planted some squash. I mean, I'm always buying seeds to try if I've not grown it before or if it's kind of weird, you know, I'll spend a couple bucks and I'll, I'll buy some seeds. So I had just figured that I unintentionally planted some sort of white squash or like a weird zucchini variety or, or something. And I guess it was probably a few days, maybe a week later, I was in the garden um, weeding and or doing something in that bed and I moved the vine and, and there was this gigantic fruit I am not kidding this thing was seriously huge it was like four inches across and it was like two feet long and it was shaped like a loaf of french bread it was like but it was like this freaky pale mint ice cream colored fruit. It was just so seriously large and absolutely ridiculous. I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. This is going to be the worst squash ever. And I was actually a little embarrassed that I wasn't paying better attention to what was growing in my garden. So... You know, I just kind of picked that sucker and I went ahead and picked some of the smaller ones that were out there and I brought them inside and I thought, what the hell am I going to do with all this freaking squash? 
So I just left it on the counter and I went back outside to the garden. And then later that evening, I decided to slice one up um, and cook it as a side for dinner. And that's when I realized it was actually a cucumber. It was a freaking cucumber. I couldn't believe it. So I like stopped what I was doing and I ran to the computer and I Googled white cucumber. And sure enough, Armenian cucumber popped up. And they were really, really great plants. And I always recommend them. So we have another planting window for cucumbers coming up. It's at the end of July, early August. And we can plant more cucumbers again and have them for our fall garden. So if you are interested in trying something different, go ahead and try those Armenian cucumbers because they consistently put out large and sometimes gigantic fruits. Even supersized, even those supersized cucumbers, they weren't bitter at all. And I even made some refrigerator pickles with them last summer and they stayed nice and crunchy. So if you are looking for something new and weird, try Armenian cucumbers. I guess it's been two weeks now, but I was asked if I would participate in a community meet and greet in downtown Taylor. It's at an event called Second Saturdays each um each month, several downtown merchants host special events um, at their business, and it's just referred to as Second Saturdays. And of course, last year, they didn't do any of that because of COVID, but they're really starting to bring it back. And this month, they wanted to go ahead and put a different spin on it by including local groups and organizations to like set up tables and just visit with people. I absolutely love this idea because it's been a really, really long year and a half. And while we are stay, we were staying at home and trying to keep coronavirus from spreading all over the place, there were actually a lot of new folks who have moved to Taylor. Like we've had like two brand new subdivisions built and there's also actually been quite a bit of infill development, like where people will... Um, build new houses on empty lots in existing neighborhoods. So there are lots and new people in our community. And, you know, plus um, folks from other towns, nearby towns, you know, they've really kind of started coming to visit and checking out our cool little downtown. So second Saturday's theme is welcome to the neighborhood. And it's just a chance to meet folks. There's going to be elected officials there you can chat with. Um, of course, clubs and service groups. And then they'll be in different businesses around downtown. And there'll be several, several things going on. And I was asked if I would come and have a table and be available to talk about backyard gardening in Central Texas. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I love to talk about plants and growing things and if I'm going to have to talk to people I'm so glad I get to talk about plants so I will be at the Texas Beer Company in downtown Taylor from 12 to 2 on Saturday June 10th if I'm sorry July 10th we are in July now so Saturday 
July 10th. If you are interested in coming to Downtown Taylor and checking out things, there is a Facebook event page that's set up. It's called Second Saturday. Welcome to the Neighborhood. And it has all the details and it lists all the businesses and where they are and what groups will be participating. So be sure to check that out. I think it's going to be super fun. And if you decide to come out, I hope you will stop by the Texas Beer Company and just say hi. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I sure do hope that you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and the music all coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. The Black Sparrow Music Parlor just recently reopened and... Y'all ought to come by and check that out. They, they, we've got live music again, and we've got the radio station in there, and it's just really cool and really exciting that the music parlor is back open. Now, while you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends, or you know, head over to Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes, and be sure to leave a review. It's just super quick. Just click on some stars, type up a sentence or so about what you like about the show, and then click submit. It's going to help others find the show, and downloading Plow and Hose episodes will help provide me with some show statistics. So please go do that. Here in Central Texas, I don't know if you know, but the 4th of July is kind of the traditional last day to plant pumpkins from seed, especially if you want to have them for Halloween. Most pumpkins take 90 to 120 days to mature after the seeds are planted, and it just really depends on the variety that you plant. The seed packet will tell you um, how long it will take um, them to grow. So planting them right around the 4th of July will give them just enough time to grow and get big and turn orange or gray or red or whatever kind of pumpkins you got. Um, it'll give them plenty of time to have them ripe and ready to go at the end of October. Pumpkins need warm soil in order to germinate, so this is the perfect time to get them in the ground. It only takes a week or so for seedlings to pop up, so if you have any kids that hang out with you in the garden, pumpkins are really cool to grow because they are such vigorous growers and then you know of course you get pumpkins when you plant your seeds go ahead and plant like three or four seeds in the hole when the seedlings are about a week old pinch out the weakest seedlings and only leave one or two seedlings a lot of times I have a hard time deciding which seedlings to remove because they all just look great and they're happy and healthy and they so obviously want to live in my garden. But 
really the best thing to do is just leave one or two because pumpkins are really big plants and they need lots and lots of space. They are also prone to getting powdery mildew and overcrowding really causes um, several problems, including powdery mildew. Now, powdery mildew isn't harmful to humans. It's just ugly. It's just a thin layer of white powdery um, spores and it likes warm weather. So it can spread really quickly, but fortunately it's host specific. So pumpkin powdery mildew won't spread to your corn. If your corn gets powdery mildew, it's because it has corn specific mildew. It won't necessarily spread all over your garden um, if you happen to get it on some of your plants, but pumpkin powdery mildew will spread to your other pumpkin plants. So it's really important to thin those seedlings. When you do, when you thin your seedlings, it's going to improve the air circulation around your plants and it's going to improve the chances of that spread of the powdery mildew. Uh, another thing you can do is water the soil directly to the base of your pumpkin plants and try not to get the leaves too wet. That will help prevent the spread of powdery, uh, powdery mildew too. If you happen to catch the mildew early, like when you first notice it, just snip off those leaves. You know, removing a few leaves won't be a big deal. If it's more than a couple of leaves though, um, that have the mildew, it's really not going to be practical to remove the diseased leaves. It may be a weaker plant, but um, it will still continue to um, produce. You just ha kind of have to make that decision if you if you want to go ahead and remove it all or or not. But you can also try to treat them with an organic approved fungicide. Um, just a product that will help control the mold spores if it bothers you. There are several kinds um, that are available. Some of them have copper in them. Some of them rely on potassium and others have neem in them to help control the mildew. Personally, I like to keep it simple and not buy a lot of products. And I find that neem oil is really versatile and I can use it for other issues in the garden. Pumpkins are fairly hardy and drought tolerant, but you still need to water them deeply a few times a week. Pumpkins are really big plants and they put on big fruits, so they need to be watered a bit more than you think. As we all know, July and August in Central Texas can be brutal, just so, so hot. So. Be sure that you put down a nice thick layer of mulch around your pumpkins. Mulch is going to help keep the soil moist and even, and it's going to help it keep it cool, and that's going to protect your roots. And as we all know, a healthy root system is really important to keeping the top parts of your plant alive. So when they get stressed from the heat or they have disease issues or damage, a healthy plant with a healthy root system is much more likely to be able to recover. And 
all you really need is like two to three inches of mulch. That's really enough to get the most benefit and reduce evaporation and insulate from the high temperatures that we're going to get. And mulch is really going to help keep down those weeds too. So be sure to put some mulch down around your pumpkins. Pumpkins have the same insect issues as other members of the cucurbit family like cucumber squash and melon. So be on the lookout for the usual suspects, aphids, cucumber beetles, squash bugs, and my least favorite, squash vine borers. I really despise those squash vine borers. And I know the adult moths are considered to be really decent pollinators and they're important, you know, pollinators, all pollinators are important for our gardens. But man, their babies cause so much disappointment for backyard gardeners. And since we have such a long growing season in Texas, we get two generations of squash vine borers. We get them in the springtime and the borers that survive grow up and survive. They are gonna come back in the fall and have babies of their own. They overwinter in the soil. So once you have an issue with squash vine borers, you're kind of stuck with them. If you missed the May 23rd um, show where I spend a whole lot more time talking about squash vine borers and you want to learn more about them, go over to where you get your podcasts and just look for that um, episode 20. All right, back to pumpkins. Depending on the variety you grow, pumpkins take like three to four months to fully ripen. You can harvest and eat pumpkins pretty much at any stage of development. So you can pick them when they're still green and they have that soft skin. Um, you know, like like a summer squash, like you can just touch it with your fingernail and puncture it a little bit. If you wanna go ahead and pick it, go ahead because it'll be nice and tender all the way through. And you can just use it for um, any sort of recipes that, that calls for yellow squash or zucchini. So, you know, try it. We don't normally think about eating pumpkins that way, but they're perfect to use when they're nice and soft and tender. If you plan to use them as jack-o'-lanterns or you want to store them for later in the winter, you need to let your pumpkins fully ripen and get hard. They are considered ripe when they're fully colored. So they'll be all orange or all white or gray or red, red or whatever color pumpkin that you grew. Once they get that hard rind on them and the stem gets woody, then you know they're completely ripe. And they'll also lose their shine. And if you thump them with your finger, um, it'll sound hollow or kind of dull. When you're ready to pick your pumpkins, be sure to wash and dry them off. Wipe them down with a weak bleach solution. This is going to help remove any pathogens and spores that 
could cause your pumpkin to rot later. Set your pumpkins in a cool, dry area. You know, place them on some cardboard or put them on a piece of lumber, like a wooden shelf or something. If you plan on keeping your pumpkins for a while, be sure to check on them every so often for signs of rot. So if they have any signs, any spots on them, you want to remove that pumpkin from your storage area. And then you can just go ahead and cut off the damage and cook your pumpkin. Well, what else is going on in your gardens? I am starting to really get overwhelmed with cherry tomatoes. I have so many right now. And every day I seem to like pick at least a dozen, probably more. Uh, there are tomatoes everywhere. And I guess I could give some away, but I've had a whole lot of stink bugs and they they get on the plants and they suck little parts, you know, they just suck juice out of them and they, they make these little ugly spots. And so my, t my little cherry tomatoes, most of them I feel like I can't give them away because they don't look very good. But like I said, I'm noticing all these stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs too. They've arrived. And both of them are hard to control. Luckily for me, they are kind of slow, so it's easy for me to just pick them off and then squish them. I really don't have the stomach to squish them in my hand, but I have no problem picking them off and setting them on the side of the bed and then just stepping on them. And it kind of amuses me because I, I really remember a time when I was so squeamish at the thought of touching and killing bugs with my bare hands. It was totally out of the question. But once I got into organic gardening and wanting to avoid synthetic poisons in my backyard, I had to get over it. And now I'm to the point I'm I see a bug that's not supposed to be there. I'm like, oh no, mm-mm nope, don't be getting on my food and taking bites out of them and making them look all ugly. I know you're just a little bug and trying to survive, but nope, gotta go. Bye. So like bad caterpillars, the ones like armyworms and hornworms that will just decimate a garden if they're allowed to, those guys... I'll pick those off and they get really relocated to the chicken yard where chickens will take care of them for me. Snails, snails get flicked across the yard and I say, go live somewhere else. And I feel pretty confident that they are slow and they're really not likely to come back to the same plant. Now, stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs can fly, so I don't show them as much mercy as I do snails, and it's a battle for sure. It's a pretty big challenge, but you can spray them with neem or insecticidal soap, but you have to do it right when you see them. You have to actually spray the product on um, the bugs for it to work. It's it won't work if you just spray their tomatoes and 
think that that will deter the stink bugs. No, you have to get the um, insecticidal soap or the neem oil on their body so that it, it kills them. But if you're like me, by the time I get my spray bottle and mix up insecticidal soap and I walk back to the garden, they are either already gone or I can't remember where I saw them. <laughs> so picking them off right when I see them and squishing them works best for me. Now, I was reading about other ways to control stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs, and I came across a homemade recipe that I found, and it sounded really interesting. Nicotine spray. I know, weird? I had no idea there was such a thing, but apparently tobacco has been used for centuries as a natural pesticide. Farmers would soak tobacco leaves in water and then strain it and use the solution to kill insects. Nicotine is water soluble, so soaking um, tobacco in water extracts the nicotine into the water. And I've read that you can use chewing tobacco or cigarettes. Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s, you know all about the dangers of smoking and all the cancer risks. And you grew up hearing about the super sketchy big tobacco industry. And after like 40 years of anti-smoking campaigns, it's in my head that tobacco is bad. So I really am a bit horrified at the idea of making nicotine tea and spraying it all over my garden. But I'm also kind of completely fascinated by it too, because I bet it works pretty good. And I found a little article on a chemistry association page. And I was reading that article and it said that there are lots of studies being done on the effectiveness of nicotine as a green pesticide. And one of the benefits of it would be that if they're able to come up with a reliable and stable and safe product, that it could allow farmers an additional crop, which means additional income. Now, when I was looking, looking at the different recipes and stuff, um, the instructions I found to make nicotine tea weren't exactly precise, at least not precise enough to me. It was take a spoonful of chewing tobacco and put it in a gallon of water and let it soak in the sun. And I don't know what that means because spoons come in different sizes. And I also really don't know anything about chewing tobacco other than my grandpa chewed it and I thought it was disgusting. And I want to say that it came like in different flavors, like cherry or, or something. I, I, I don't know. I really don't even know where to buy chewing tobacco. Another recipe said that you can use half a pack of cigarettes and soak them in a jar of water for an hour and strain it and then use that liquid in your tea. So I have to assume that means you pull off the filter 
or you crush them first, but I really have no idea. I just I have this weird vision that if you don't do that, wouldn't it look weird? Like half a pack of cigarettes in a jar of water, just whole cigarettes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The whole concept of making nicotine tea has me wondering all kinds of things. And my brain is just all over the place. Like, can you use menthol cigarettes? Will they work? What about dip? Can you use dip? Is wintergreen skull still a thing? I mean, aren't cigarettes kind of expensive now? I mean, what? how much do they cost? They cost like $10 a pack or so. Could you get away with using those cheap cigars from the gas station? I don't know. I've got lots and lots of questions. And it's really an interesting idea. And I think about it. And then I just imagine myself trying to go to the store and buy tobacco. I mean, for one thing, Taylor is still a small town. And anytime I go to a store, there's always somebody I know. And I just imagine it being, hey, how's it going? I'm, yeah, I'm just here. I got to pick up some things. I'm going to get some bread, some ice cream for the kids, and some cigarettes to kill the stink bugs. I mean, people already think that I am just so weird already because I talk so much about plants and my garden and my chickens and my rabbits. Some folks would just see me in the store and they'd be like, yeah, I saw Julie Rydell at the Walmart today. I did not know that she chewed tobacco. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be really hilarious if that happened. Um, but it's for my garden. So why don't you just mind your own business, Jen? I really shouldn't have to explain myself to you, Sarah. <laughs> that I'm really intrigued by this idea. But unless someone decides to quit smoking and gives me their cigarettes, I'm probably not going to try it. I don't know. Maybe I will. I don't know. It, I think it could work. It really, really could work. I mean, if tobacco is bad for us, it should be really bad for bugs. And you know what? I think I just came up with the perfect rationalization for buying new plants. Well, you know, I was going to buy cigarettes, but I decided to buy this plant instead. <laughs> so if you need an excuse to buy plants, I think that one sounds like a really good one. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for joining me in my backyard. I hope everyone has a great and safe Fourth of July. Hope you enjoy yourselves. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.